0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Brown, and thank you so much for joining me as we continue to explore the fields of sound healing, sound therapy, and generally the use of sound for health and wellness. Today, our guest is John Yost, who has studied with master drummers all around the world, And John, with his company Rhythm Revolution, has been leading rhythm-based events for more than 30 years. He's a certified drum facilitator by the Drum Circle Facilitators Guild and Village Music Circle, for which he is a global trainer. And he studied with Arthur Hull at Arthur's First uh, Teacher Training. Sean and I talk about his background in music and drumming and how this all developed for him. We also talk about how drums can help people connect with themselves within and also with others. We talk about John's fascination with gongs and how that began and how he's begun to offer sound meditations. And we just have a really wonderful conversation about sound, about listening, drumming, and connecting within and with others using sound. This podcast is sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa, located in Sarasota, Florida. At the shop in person, you will be able to experience their luxury spa, as well as their vast showroom of vibrational tools, they also host classes and trainings, and online at theomshop.com, you are able to look through their products and see that they really have such a vast array of vibrational tools and connect with them as well. They can really help advise and guide you as you're looking to up-level your sound healing practice. So thank you so much to the Om Shop and Spa for their support and sponsorship of this podcast. And please enjoy this episode with John Yost. All right. Well, thanks again, John, for joining me uh, today to talk a little bit about you. And you know, I think it'd be great to start with um, more about you, but especially your, you know, youngster, John, the the young. Uh, person that got started in music how did that start for you how did uh, the, the drums spark uh, in your life
1: well that's a funny funny question and a funny story um, well it's funny now but it wasn't so funny then uh, I'm the middle of nine kids and so my father uh, always had this vision of having a band some kind of a band uh, that all the kids could would be involved in although he wasn't really a musician he would play like uh organ once a year he'd play like spanish ice for like three hours uh and um so he had this vision of having a band and at some point he's like well you can play the tuba so you know you start in like third or fourth grade and i went there and they're like well he weighs 40 pounds he's not going to play a 60-pound tuba. <laughs> so they put me on French horn, which was fine uh, for the first year because, were, you know, the most beautiful girl in the whole school played French horn. And there was only two of us. So I would just stare at her and kind of fake it. And she graduates. And the next year, the band director's cueing me. And I'm just like, burr, burr. I would play like one note every three measures or something. And he realizes I can't really play. And so he, he's, he tells my uh, parents that I could use some private lessons. So I'm doing my private lessons and I'm practicing and, uh, my, my mom says, go upstairs and practice and don't come down. So I come down, you know, to get some water with the horn in my hand. And my mom's like, I told you not to come down. It's only been 10 minutes. And I'm like, but I just, I. and she's like, don't talk back to me, you know? And uh, I'm like, mom, I just, and she's like, go back up there, I don't wanna hear it. And I'm like, I just need, she's like, that's it, no dinner, right? And then I'm like, mom, I, that's it, you're grounded. So I said, I'm never gonna play this blankety blank horn again. And I threw it down on the stairs put a dent in the bell of the horn, uh, just like a stare. It was kind of like a cartoon, except for in real life. So it wasn't very funny in real life. Um, and so my dad took it back to the instrument shop and the, him and the teacher cooked it up and pulled the bell out and it's still kind of wrinkly. And he brought it back to me. I said, you know, you're not hearing me. I said, I'm never gonna play this thing again. And uh, so my father said, okay, you have to play something. What's it going to be? And so I said, oh, drums. I want to play drums. And so I switched to drums. And, you know, when you start, you like, if you're in the concert band, you play a cymbal or you play, you know, a bass drum. They start you there. And then eventually you kind of graduate to the snare drum. And uh, I, I really started. You know, liking hitting things. Um, although my parents wouldn't buy the drums because of my my last episode, and they wanted to make sure I would stick it stick with it. So I just had sticks, and I would just play the paneling. I'd play everything in the house, and uh, eventually, um, I got some money from my grandma. She she gave me some money, and I bought like an old Ludwig set. And uh, my brother, my, just older than me, had, had switched from sax to bass. So he was playing bass guitar and there was always people at the house jamming. And eventually, you know, the little kid got to play with the big kids. And so I started playing drum set. I played drum set, you know, in all kinds of rock and pop and uh, got a degree in percussion. Uh, was originally an ed major, music ed major. And at some point, uh, my K, uh, I took a K through, S, K through six class or something, and the woman was doing drum circles, basically kind of an orb version of a drum circle. And I was going for secondary ed, and I, I, I was like, lady, if you think I'm gonna do this in an inner city school, you're crazy. In an inner city high school and she's like well maybe you shouldn't be a teacher and i said you know what you're right and i quit my teaching degree and i went into performance and i i tried mass media video i was doing a lot of that uh and then i was still playing drum set and one day i happened upon i was at a gig on the lake and there were some Afro-Cuban guys just throwing down um, and a guy had some bongos and he s- stepped away to smoke. I'm like, can I play those? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So um, I'm playing along and you know, time just seemed to stand still. And so uh, the girl I was with is like, let's go, let's go, let's go, I'm like, it's been 10 minutes. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, it's been three hours. So I was like, okay, I want to do more of this. <laughs> um, and then I just started calling my drum set students and saying, hey, we're going to jam, bring any small percussion kind of stuff you can have, bongos or whatever. And um, and so they started coming. And I, I, Stuart Copeland, who was the drummer of the Rhythmatists, I mean, I mean drummer of the police, had a tour called the Rhythmatists. And he had Le Ballet, Du Percussion, Du Guine, um, the Guinean Ballet, uh, which was djembe, dundun, and dance. And I saw the djembe, and I'm like, I got to have one of those. And so I bought a djembeck because the music school I was teaching at didn't have any djembes; They just had a djembeck, and it was the same shape. I'm like, okay, I'll start there. Um. And eventually I got a djembe, I started taking lessons with the Senegalese guy, Yaya Cabo, and just started following that path. Um, So I went to Hawaii to study with Arthur Hull Drum Circle Facilitation, and then the next year I went to Japan to study taiko, because I saw taiko at Arthur's drum camp in Hawaii, and I kind of got really uh interested in that and then the next year i went to africa and the next year i went back to japan and next year i went back to hawaii and kind of this cycle of um following uh following the muse of of those drums and uh you know my my experience with gongs were as a classical percussionist And so my wife was a massage therapist and Reiki and all that. She was always interested in the metal and she had gone to like, uh, you know, some kind of jams where they would use uh, crystal bowls and and, well, more metal bowls and little kind of percussion, not really big gongs. And at one point she, she bought me this, uh, this gong up here, this, um, it's like a 30 inch chow. And so that kind of led me on the slippery slope of, of, of gongs where, you know, I, I had, I mean, that was like a $700 gong, right? Which is kind of a cheap gong, in a sense, when you look at the big picture of gongs. Then I started breaking out all my old uh, instruments, you know, weapons of mass percussion, my brushes, and my you know different mallets my yarn mallets and everything and trying them on the gong and it was the subtlety that really kind of sucked me into the gong where it's like wow there's so many sounds coming out of this um which i never experienced as a percussionist because the only time we really used the gong was at the apex of a piece we'd warm it up while the while the orchestra's you know starting to climax and then blam you know (laughs) And that's it. Nobody's listening to it. It's just in a big effect and you're not really deeply listening to it. Um, And I just really got kind of captivated and and I was like, wow, you know, if this cheap gongs like this, what are the expensive ones like, you know? So I shouldn't have said that out loud (laughs) because my wife heard that. And then she bought me, uh, I think she bought, she bought me uh, this one. Which is this wing gong, and uh, that is a you know it's obviously a different animal, it plays differently than the chow, and it plays um, you know very differently than the pisties play, you know, so I ended up getting some a Paiste and then kind of inheriting this other Peiste. Um and they all seem to play a respond differently to uh, the input. And the other thing that really kind of uh, excited me about the gong was the mystery as to, you know, exactly what was going to come out after I hit it. Because unlike a drum or a marimba, um, you know, it's very expected, the response you're going to get from that, uh, from that hit the initial hit the second hit the third hit the gong is you know vastly different than that um it seems like you know obviously the room that you're in has a big effect on which harmonics are coming back to you and uh you know how that gong is going to respond in that space so uh you know the, the idea of putting a certain energy in and then that expanding and multiplying you know in a different way has been exciting uh an exciting path for me and um that's uh what kind of has sucked me into to the gong world um and yeah. of course since my wife bought me some gongs I bought her some bowls and you know it, you know we started doing events and uh, after, you know, using things on ourselves and our, uh, and our friends, you know, we started expanding into yoga studios and, you know, corporate events and things like that. Um, and uh, it, it's a, it's a pretty nice mix because she kind of comes from the energetic field of, you know, playing with no music theory or anything like that per se. And I'm coming from kind of a musical background into the energetic background. So it's a really nice um, meld of, uh, you know, musicality and uh, intention.
0: Yeah, I can see how as a percussionist, you know, with all your years of experience, you know, and the way you learn the drum, it is, the way you play it, it is predictable. If I play it this way, if I use that mallet, there's this is what it's going to sound like so then to approach Mm -hmm. the gong perhaps with one of your percussion mallets there's an element of surprise like oh (laughs) that's that's different i didn't expect that or you try a different mallet and and realize that they're just so complex so i bet that was a nice kind of stretch uh for you to to approach the gong because you never know what's going to happen (laughs) they can be very unpredictable yeah yeah very cool well, I want to unpack a couple of those things you mentioned and I think one, one thing you mentioned quickly but I think is pretty pretty cool and maybe has a lot to do with kind of your mission when it comes to leading drum circles is that you know you did take Arthur Hall's first teacher facilitator training right in Hawaii and I know that's what what would have been in the 90s probably but that was very pivotal for the launch of the village music circles and I'm sure a really pivotal, uh, launch for the work that you're facilitating. Um, what was that experience like, uh, how did it change your perception, um, not only as a drummer, but how you would teach, uh,
1: this to others? Well, uh, so I kind of encapsulated it into my, mission statement which is you know to connect people to themselves and their communities using music as a metaphor to do that uh so for you know the first thing about going to that training was uh that first training had all the top people that were doing any kind of drumming at the time you know Sule Greg Wilson who wrote The Drummer's Path um Paolo Mattioli um Greg Atkinson, uh, there there were just so many uh, shredders and leaders in the field. So, uh, and, and Arthur's co-teachers were Cameron Tummel and Don Davidson. And so, you know, I learned as much from them as I did from Arthur uh, at that camp, as well as all the other people there, you know, and not necessarily just, in, you know, in terms of drumming. Um, And obviously that is, you know, the music, the the in-the-moment music made there in Hawaii on that island, we would play all night and all day. And it would be some of the most profound magical music I've ever made in my life. And to be, you know, on the shores of Oahu, on the ocean, playing all night with with people who are deeply listening and who have, you know, the skill sets and awareness, you know, to make that what was, was magical. So, uh, super profound. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of egos were there and, you know, uh, it was great for me because I was pretty new to it all. And then, you know, to really just learn it's, it's not about me, you know, so, Uh, I was, like most people when they first try something in front of a bunch of experts, I was pretty petrified to get into the circle and to, you know, to to do these things. And uh, the culminating experience was a massive drum circle on downtown Oahu uh, in this big band show. And there were probably like 300 people. So that was kind of like the first drum circle i I ever led uh, you know a portion of that large circle so that was that was really crazy, and it was I could just say it was like surfing you know the energy of uh of three hundred people and my My skill sets weren't really super developed at that point uh, but uh my intention was there, and I was fully committed. And congruent in that moment, so people did follow, um, follow me, following them, uh, following me. So it it was quite quite a rush and uh, quite a great uh, trial by fire baptism uh, in in that. So after that, I, I came back and I was leading. Uh, Five drum circles a day, five days a week for the Chicago Park District um, with uh, day camps. So that was a a real, uh, real great way to practice, you know, that's, you know, 25 sets a week for six weeks. And after the third day, my voice was gone. So I had to almost entirely rely on nonverbal communication. And that was extremely beneficial for me in that uh, I really got to hone those skills in a way that's, that's served me, you know, immensely since then. And, uh, you know, if you want to practice, you practice with the kids because they're going to give you that straight, honest feedback right away. And you'll, if, if they don't understand, they won't respond or they'll respond in a different way. So it really teaches you the value of your communication and how you are communicating via the response you're getting.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure those early years of teaching just really influenced uh, how you would approach different situations as well. What do you, what do you get when um, someone says, oh, I can't keep a beat? Or, you know, I, some people, or, I mean, just like singing or I can't hold a tune. Do you ever get people that feel like I can't find the, the rhythm?
1: Absolutely. You you have people who will come in to a situation with a lot of uh, hesitation, baggage. You could call it trauma if you like, um, maybe brought on by some music teacher somewhere or, or not. You know, someone who said, you can't hold the tune, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. I don't focus on that at all. You know, what I focus on is getting them out of their head and into the moment. Into their body. If they're actively listening, I tell them, you don't have to hold the beat. You listen. When you hear a space that your note's going to sound good, put it in that space. There's, there's no wrong notes. You can't make a mistake. Lots of times those people will be the people standing there like this, with their arms crossed. And so if they're standing there, you know, maybe around the circle or what have you, I'll walk up with a tambourine or something and I'll say, could you hold this for me? And most people are not going to say no. They'll be standing like, could you hold this for me? And they're like, uh, uh, okay, because they don't want to say no. And once they have it in their hand, they're like, or or they're saying, you know, I I can't do this or whatever. I'm like, just hold that for me. Whatever you do, don't shake it. Don't play it, right? And they'll laugh. And then eventually they're in, you know, and then maybe they'll gravitate to something else or they'll be like, oh, this is harmless enough. I can play this, right? And then maybe I'll say, okay, everybody switch. Hand Hand the instrument to the person to the left. And they try something else. Um, but I, that happens all the time. And there's lots of tricks that Arthur teaches. And now I teach uh, his curriculum that helps to get people out of that. So that whatever that is, we, I never want to focus on what we don't want. I want to focus on what we do want. So what do we want, right? And some people don't know that they want uh, to. And really, I feel and that's out of fear, usually. But I feel that music is such a pure form of communication that um, like you were expressing uh, in that conversation about when you might lead a group and you start with drums, and, and then it helps the people to bond pretty quickly because they're only communicating with their heart and with their ears and actively listening. So when that's happening, it, it's, it's, you know, music is the universal language. People love the blues almost everywhere you go, right? You'll see people who love the blues, oh, you know, oh my gosh, the blues that, you know, they just love, Music. The other thing is, I feel like if I say red, if I just mention the color red to somebody, well, if you're from, you know, maybe the West, you think of red and you think of, oh, blood. That's a, you know, stop. That's a stop sign, right? <laughs> but if maybe if you're from China, the wedding dress is red, right? So that might re- represent something completely different to you. Um, depending on your cultural context but if you hear ding or boom right unless you have some trauma from some type of sound how is that going to be how is that you know how is that going to be interpreted right so i can only i can only hallucinate as to how that's interpreted but from what i've experienced and what i've seen people experience once they get into it you know it it can definitely open them up and it can definitely connect them
0: yeah i think that's a really interesting thing about uh, drumming and drum circles is that you're keeping time but as soon as you get in it you lose time i mean just like you mentioned that experience you had where it was three hours I mean yeah if you can just let go and be in it and be in the wave of sound um everything else just takes over you're just in it and those kind of worries fade away so if someone can just kind of take that leap and start playing the tambourine um it it will happen yeah now you've facilitated circles and all kinds of different situations, festivals, corporations, schools, um, all kinds of uh, situations. Um, And I know some of the benefits have come up as we're talking, but what do you think the overarching benefits of people drumming together
1: would be? That's huge. And I can only hallucinate as to what those benefits are. Because all these studies are trying to uh, validify what we do with sound and what we do with drumming. Um, Everybody knows since the dawn of time, the shamans were using, you know, voice and, uh, you know, instruments to journey, to heal and to connect so we all know innately that this is helpful and this is beneficial to us but we're trying to get the science to prove it and there's all kinds of su- studies that are happening and there's all kinds of things um <clears throat> in 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 of course the sound field as well as as well as the music field you know obviously if you listen to classical music as a baby you're going to be a genius right so <laughs> it's that is that proven? Um, they're, they're doing studies to try to, to try to prove it. And for me, none of that really matters. It, what matters is how does it make people feel and how does it make them move forward? And uh, whatever metaphors you want to draw out for a group, you're going to do that with the intention of what that client is hiring you to do. Right. So if they say we want to talk about team building, well, you're a bunch of a bunch of professionals with incredible amounts of experience at what you do. Now we've leveled the playing. We have brought you in here. You've just made a product. You've made a product doing something you've never done before. I don't care if you're a classical pianist. I've given you one note to work with. I've given you another way to access that note. It's not what you're used to, and it's not in a form that you're used to. It's not written on the paper. You have to find your place, and you have to contribute to the team. You have to contribute to the product. You have to make that product better with no expertise. So now, if you take that metaphor and you put it into what you do every single day with your expertise, How much better can your product be? How much better can your team be? How much better can your, you know, your country be? How much better, you know, where do you want to take it? So there's just so much there that we can draw from. And as long as people are listening and, and acting and interacting, right? That's that connection. And sometimes that connection can be with yourself, with your own sacred instrument, and that sacred instrument could be a box or a pot and a pan. If you're there and you're really listening, you can get this connection between you and you (laughs) and that instrument as a vehicle to do that. So I know from my personal experience, I've, I've gotten that, right? And it's very powerful, which is why I want to share it with the world. And the world has uh, rewarded me for sharing that because I've, I've followed my heart and I've followed, uh, I've followed that path. So it's about, you know, what's your intention? Where do you want to go? And are you open to it? You know, So which, which way do you want to go? Which way do you want to? Whatever that is, you're right. You're going to get exactly, exactly what you're thinking about. So, uh, and I really feel like the instruments amplify that. They amplify the intention you're putting in.
0: Right. You could think of them as a a mirror, right? A reflection of your own energy and intention. I love your initial answer there. You know, you're, you're so right about us always needing data and research and, and show me. <laughs> but actually, um, if we want to know the benefits of the drum or the gong or the bowls, we'll experience them. And then you'll know the benefits <laughs> of the drum, the gongs and the bowls, right? It's really experiencing them because Uh, there could be universal benefits uh, but there certainly are we are unique individuals and how they affect us Uh, so there's a different benefit different answer for each person
1: yeah yeah well and it and at each time because the first time I really kind of had a drum circle experience it was completely negative for me it was negative and because of where I was because I really didn't want to be a teacher at that time. I was always teaching. I knew I could always be teaching, but I wanted to be performing, right? So that wasn't a performance. That wasn't what I was seeking, right? I was seeking something and I wasn't ready for that experience. It wasn't until I was tired of performing actually, and truth be told, I was tired of playing two and four so that the guitar players could solo all night, and then when they get tired, they go take a break, have a couple of beers and whatever else, you do a 20-minute solo by yourself. Nobody is complimenting, comping for you, right? Then they come back and expect you to play for an hour and a half more, right? So, you know, that that drumming experience for me was so freeing because people were actually Holding it down while I got to say something. Well, I got to be on the cake and not the cake. Right? So that was something that, that really kind of opened me up. And it also was one of those situations where there were also conversations happening, you know, within that within that moment that I wasn't really getting between you know, uh, my rock band kind of, uh, situation and the jazz band, yes, but it's still different. You, you still had, I still had a role that I needed to constantly be filling in that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool.
0: Okay. So, you know, with all that you're doing, maybe just kind of let us know a bit about what that looks like, Rhythm Revolution, you've got the Sound Magic Project, kind of not only what are you facilitating, what seems to be um, kind of taking the most time or energy, what are you invested the most in, but what are you also the most curious about? What are you kind of really leaning into right now when it comes to your work and your passion?
1: I find that, you know, I have, a, I have a, a lot of things happening. I'm teaching taiko, I have a taiko group. I'm teaching djembe. I have a kind of a loose knit uh, group of people we put together to do different shows. And then we have the sound, uh, you know, kind of my, my sound magic it's called, my, myself and my wife and sometimes special guests, depending on the situation. And so I'm really kind of focusing uh, right now. Things have opened up, so I'm kind of getting hit from all angles. Where it's where it's I'm getting calls for you know, school drum circles, corporate drum circles, all those types of things. We have some scheduled sound immersions on the book, and then um, you know the Tyco stuff usually kind of comes out of left field. Where I'm constantly teaching and trying trying to put new stuff in um and and keep the old stuff polished <laughs> and then uh you know just always trying to move myself forward personally you know and keep my practices up and so i just kind of find out find that like right now because everything's opening up again it, you know i've been really busy with uh just kind of keeping up with things and uh, knowing these are the things I want to do. Everything's pretty much set to do it, but you know, I have to do a lot of maintenance on, on everything, it seems like. So I'm just kind of uh, getting back in that groove. Uh, and summer was just here, so summer, you know, was huge. Just did 17 sets at Lollapalooza, it was a four day thing, um, and a couple other, you know, festivals and a, a large thing for the Field Museum, which was like, I don't know, I think it was like 400 boom-whackers, um, the donors and a, a, a group of uh, global ambassadors, uh, musicians, so, you know, an Indian uh, guy playing tabla and uh, Brazilian guy and West African guy, and, you know, so this big group. Of ten uh, global ambassadors were kind of my my band or backline uh, for that uh, boomwhacker experience. So those types of things have been keeping me very busy. Uh, so right now it's really about maintaining and keeping all these things running at the same time, and my family. You know, <laughs> got a couple of kids, and we got to make sure that. They You know, the boy gets to football and, you know, the girl gets to art class. So uh, school's about to start, which is also fun. It's a transition to keep all these things running. And uh, also working on setting up a 501c3 nonprofit so that I can continue to um, look for other opportunities, you know, and uh, realize some of the other visions that I have. And uh, those are in the works, so stay tuned.
0: (laughs) Yeah, ooh, I wanna ask more, but maybe you can't say anything yet, what what that looks like, so yeah. Well, that's a lot to balance. That's a lot to balance and uh, (laughs) with uh, everything you've got going on. But gosh, if you're passionate about something and it's so diverse what you're doing, it doesn't feel
1: like work or not all the time at least yeah 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 it you know it's 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 a calling it, it's uh it's something that really uh you know i'm super passionate about and it, it's uh it is pretty much uh my life and lifestyle to be doing those things uh which you know, you really got have to have to have want to do this to do it. Because, you know, even if you're just doing, you know, gong stuff, just hauling those four gongs around and those stands and the bowls and all that, that's a big job. So uh, we make it look easy and we make it look fun, but there's definitely a good amount of work, um, and sweat and money and energy uh, between, you know, even booking and uh, promoting and schlepping. Uh, so, so there's a lot of energy that goes out uh, and then being ready to, to put that intention and that energy and that program together in, in a meaningful way is it's a lot um, but it's i I feel like it's very worthwhile and I think you know our community needs it and uh, the world needs it and uh, we found through the pandemic we were doing gong immersions uh, pretty much every Sunday night live Facebook live for free, you know for If people wanted to donate, fine, great. If not, you know, it was just something we felt like we could do. And we started with just my phone, you know, ended up getting a a nicer, you know, camera with some condensers and uh, kind of trying to get that experience better. Um, But it was something we could do when, there was not much else people could do, right? I mean, couldn't leave the house really. So we just, you know, brought it to them, and we got a lot of positive response from that, and hopefully it helped people. Uh, and uh, you know that we're all in service. If we're in this, if we're in this kind of um, field we we are in service and it's at some point it's how can I serve right and then there's also the point of I can't serve if I can't eat so <laughs> we have to we have to balance that as well
0: yeah and that question of who can I serve I mean it's just limitless because everybody does need it so you almost have to follow um you know, what draws you in and what what fills, fills you up as well uh, in your community. Um, so yeah, that's that's wonderful that you, you found ways to um, have that reach during the pandemic, and I'm sure it helped uh, you and your wife as well just to be immersed in that kind of project and the gongs and all that as well. So yeah, it was just so beautiful to see um, some, what so many people were offering. Uh, during that time and just keep people going and it's great that uh you're getting busy again in person so it's great yeah well fantastic Thanks, yes. John. yeah it's so wonderful to hear about you and more uh, about your path and um it's just inspiring you know when you hear someone that's fully on their path fully following it and it's just taken I uh, use so many wonderful places and situations. I mean, what is it, 30 years now since the Arthur Hull uh training? Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I went I met my wife at my drum circle. She showed up at my drum circle. And about a year later I was in a small town in the Czech Republic getting married in a castle. So that was that was kind of magical and interesting. But you know, these kinds of things, they connect people and they connect communities. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when I'm holding events, I, I, can only, I can only imagine why people are actually coming to the event. You know, some people might come to, you know, a drum circle because they love drums. Some people just might be curious about drums. Some people come because they love to dance. Some people might come because they're looking to meet other people, right? And sometimes they don't even know they want to meet other people, but they still meet other people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's great when you gather because you never know what's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen from that. And, and definitely now more than ever, people need to be connected and they need connection to each other. And they need connection to themselves because it's been a very, very difficult two plus years. And it it looks like we're coming out and hopefully, you know, we, we keep coming out and, uh, But as we see when we're coming out, there's other agendas out there. And it's, you know, the world is in turmoil um, and we need to communicate better. So uh, hopefully people like you and me can do that and help to be that bridge that can give people some peace.
0: Absolutely, beautifully said. And it's just a time for people to show up for themselves so that we can connect and communicate in these ways where we just have a knowing, like you don't even necessarily need to find the words, you know, the the drums can, can help you, you bond and raise that energy and raise that intention without maybe having to even agree in world events right I mean it's just uh, a beautiful way to see uh, that there's there's so much more um, and that yeah we can kind of smooth out differences or um, negate that turmoil just by connecting
1: well if they show up for not just themselves if they show up for each other Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's even better and maybe they don't know that they're showing up for each other. Maybe they think they're showing up for themselves. But then, you know, the magic takes over where we have this situation where it's like, you know, now, I'm, now I can be empathetic. I've learned to listen instead of constantly, you know, speak about what I want, right? Maybe I listen to what you need because I need this and you need that, and maybe there's that middle ground. We're, we're seeming not to do that right now.
0: There you go, yeah.
1: People are, are like, no, it's about me, you know? And it, there's no me. And we should have learned that in, the, in this pandemic. There's no me, it's all us. It's all us, it's, it's one earth, we're all on the same earth, it's one humanity we're all the same humanity. We need to move this forward together.
0: Yeah. And to focus on that we are all all connected, but also it's the time of listening to really tune in to that art of listening
1: Uh,
0: and to be more, more open to that. Yeah, yeah beautifully said thank you thank you yeah it's been Thanks a pleasure nice to having... yeah it's been really wonderful to to hear your perspective and obviously a bit about your journey but also how you've approached all this in your life um, for your own benefits and growth but truly for for others and I'm sure it's just you were, you were talking about the schlepping and the shuffle, but gosh, when you're in the moment and seeing that magic and that spark in others, there's nothing better. That's what it's all about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I would say so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, John. I appreciate your time.
1: You much, Natalie. Okay. You take Have care. A
0: day. You too. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode of Sounds Heal Podcast, sponsored by the Ohm Shop and Spa. And keep up to date with what's coming up next at SoundsHealStudio.com. Check things out on Facebook at Sounds Heal Studio. and You can listen to all previous podcasts as well as music meditations on the YouTube channel at Sound Studio. Be well and stay tuned.